Dave and Giggles on Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> I, I am Dave, and this is uh, Mike, a.k.a. Giggles. Say hello, yes. somebody. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hey, Bobby. Thanks for doing the show. I, 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 like, I'm going to ask the obvious question. What's In that? fact, I don't even ask the question. Why don't you just tell me? Sure. About Giggles? Is it, <laughs> is it about Giggles? Uh, it's a good story. Uh, the night <clears throat> Obama was elected, I got into Fox News. I had access. In Why, the did Fox News. Why did you have access? Because a friend of mine, name it Dave, was an editor there for one of the shows. And so the night of after, you know, they're celebrating in the streets of Obama, you know, when in, you know, it was kind of in New York City, it was kind of an amazing thing. And uh, Fox News to just go up there. And I was in the, uh, the security line with the guard, you know, and I get the giggles. I get like the church giggles because I was just, I just had the giggles, you know, like I never I went to believe. church, but I've had giggles that always yeah. in yeah. the most inappropriate time. It's usually yeah. when yeah. there's like a funeral or something. Yeah. Right. I was working that night at Fox News. I was an editor and like and he called me up and it was like very early in like us knowing each other. And like he was like him and one of my best friends from high school were like, let us up. We want to get a tour of Fox. And I was like, bad night for that. Like Bad night for that. They're depressed. And- they all want to kill themselves and yeah, erase exactly. them. I mean, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great thing. But, you know, they're like, let, let us in, let us in, let us in. And then after a while, I was like, okay, okay, but you got to be cool. Uh, you know, and like that, I think. Tipped oh, and that, and, that, and that, of course, made him giggle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he, just came off, he just came off the giggles. Once yeah. you come yeah. off the giggles, right. you can't stop. And then it was just a like, night of giggles. You, you've been there. Yeah. 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 I've been there. It's always inappropriate times. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, why don't you? Yeah. Why don't you uh, introduce? I, I will. Uh, I'm Giggles. Bobby <laughs> Columbia was on the show and uh, drummer, producer uh, for uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. We uh, we got a movie to pitch. We watched the movie. It was good. I, I, I enjoyed it because it was like I good. Uh, good. 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 Oh, I want to introduce you to this woman. I think she has a really good personality. Yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> Did you really watch it? Oh, you we watched, watched it. We watched it a couple hours ago, Bobby. We did our last minute like research. We, oh, yeah, I got it. Skimming through it and you're watching the yeah. NBA at the same no, time. I, 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 Fabulous. No, no, I watched it uh, cover to cover. Uh, I'm going to quiz you. Giggles. Do it. You're do it. Trouble. Beginning to end. I like this. I like this a lot. I like making him sweat right off the top. Yeah. Blood, sweat, and tears right here. Yeah. Well, right I'm going to throw Dave under the bus, too. He just watched it today. Sure. As, I, I, all right. He was on Eastern Time. I was on Colorado Mountain Time. Yeah, but you said good. Good. Oh, I, I think it was, it was good. Fantastic. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Giggles, I really enjoy you. I think you're good. <laughs> good. That's pretty good. good I mean, that's as best as he could get. Man. <laughs> this Sorry. is your excitement here. I should have worked up my adjectives a little bit more. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Bobby, no. you were just you telling were, me. I, 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 we're, sen- we're sensitive. <laughs> yeah. I know. We're musicians, you know? Yeah. Um, you were just telling me that you, uh, in like 77, you uh, got a job at Sony. So is that, oh, is that what you did after your music career? Like, what, what did you uh, go into? Yeah, yeah. Actually, close. I started, um, I stopped playing drums and I got, uh, I started producing. Giggles just left. Okay, he's coming. Yeah, he had, you know why? Because I nailed him on the good. I know you did. <laughs> yeah. He's so embarrassed. He just he didn't want my tail between my legs. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was good. I've been bombing my intros lately, Bobby. Sorry. Like Dave gives them to me. That's okay. And I was like, you know, I tried yeah. to get back into it. You know, we're, we've been out of touch. You know. 
I'm in a I'm in a weird place, Bobby. I'm in a weird. I, I, you know, I can I can I can see, but but crying. Talk about it? You want to talk about crying, it? Crying is just in a lot of therapy. I'm just I, think I know you. Too I much can, therapy. I can see the much. problems, but can, but I can ask you a question. Why yeah. do you have a baby bottle next to you? What's that? No, it's, it's okay. I, 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 <laughs> no, no, you're burning. fine. He's just burning it's my latte. No, I, I was, memory no, issues. No, I, I was going to say. Apparently, the therapy's working. Anytime <laughs> you feel anxiety, just put that nipple in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just suck on it a little bit. <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> so, Bob, you tell me. So after uh, okay, uh, so after right. Trump, I'm sorry. I, I yeah, no, I no, no. I love the side. The side okay, track. all right. Okay, always go down a side track. Explore okay, great. Well, that's where you'll you'll find me at down that alley. What's he doing? Uh, so okay, so um, I I get a call from some of the executives at CBS Records that I knew because I kind of grew up in that family, and I like the people that I knew there a lot actually. Uh, and so they called and they said, "Look, we have some we have an offer for you. We don't have a profile for Epic Records in California. It's all Columbia, and we like a little bit of Epic." something would you be interested in being the head of a and r of the west coast that's amazing and i said or have my eye teeth extracted i mean is there an option here because the teeth thing sounds a little more interesting than california for openers and then being an a and r guy a and r stands for always wrong mm-hmm. well you're missing the w but that's okay <laughs> no. anyway so 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 i always you know thought man that's like and then i thought you know, I'm close with an artist that's signed to the label and they were in the red in debt to the label a lot of money, although they were going to continue to record. And I thought, you know what? Why don't, if I take this gig, I could remove their debt position and they could start, I mean, it's already been written off and they could start off with the idea that they could actually make money if they sold records again. Right. Give them a little more enthusiasm. Right. That was just my thinking of it. I said, I'll do it six months and I'll get the hell out of here. So I go to my office. I don't know how to use a multi-line phone, guys. This is how far away from the, quote, executive that I am. First phone call I get almost immediately, I pick right up, is Clan Davis, a friend of mine forever. He says, why didn't you tell me you were going to do something like this? I said, I didn't know I was going to do something like this. I'm, I'm going to do it a couple of months. He goes, well, if you ever, you know, we, you know, like we're friends and we can work there. I said, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for calling. Bang. Next call, Sam Sutherland of Record World Magazine. Sam Sutherland, I didn't know at the time, but he's a very nice man. And he's, and, and that was one of the three trades at the time. There was Cashbox and Billboard and Record World. He worked for Record World. So he said, is it okay if I do an interview with you? I said, sure. Not knowing if you're a corporate executive, you have to go through corporate PR and say, I'm being asked, there's a request for an interview. It all has to go through them. I don't know this. I go, sure. He goes, oh, great. I think the second question was, how does it feel on having been on Friday, an artist, and on Monday, you're a CBS vice president? Wow. And I said, God, imagine me, a premature ejaculator, a CBS vice president. And he starts laughing. He said, can I print that? I said, yeah, I said it. And it was my first interview in the trade. Oh, geez. That's hilarious. Did you feel like uh, 
did you feel like you moved or did you feel like you were selling well, out? Now, what, what did you feel? No, no, no. I felt like I infiltrated. Oh, nice. I felt like I was behind the enemy lines. I can help artists now, which I did. Yeah. Which, which, which was very, you know, for me, that was why I was doing it. And, and I thought I'd move back and I loved it out here. So I stayed. Now you're an LA guy. Well, I'm still a New Yorker, but yeah. Good, good. At heart, at heart. Mm -hmm. uh, how was your record deal? Like when you guys were signed on? I know you had the different singer in the wait, first. Wait, that's the weirdest question ever. How does what? my record feel? No, no, no. Your record deal. Like, did you guys deal? Get, did you guys like have a good deal or did oh, you? No, like, it sucked. I, back, back then, in the first place, that, that was Al Cooper. You know, he was the go getter. I, I was, I was in graduate school. I didn't know shit about any of this. And he goes, he gets us a record. He just puts every, he just goes for it. And I'm thinking, okay, all righty. So the record deal was like, if we sold a billion records, we'd ha you know, have enough to buy a donut or something. And it was split with like five of us at the time. And it, it was a, it was a horrible, but you know, the deals are made like depending on, on leverage. If you have leverage, you can make a deal. If you don't have leverage and you need some, you want what they're giving you, you can take whatever the hell they give you, which was, I guess, the case at the time. I wasn't involved in it. Yeah, so you pretty much got, for according to the, the doc, which we're here to talk about, but I'm, I assure you. Yeah, but Giggles didn't see it, so let's it, just it, do it. I, I watched it. I watched yeah, it. Yeah, it, it, was, yeah. it was great. It was yeah, great. Yeah, I loved yeah, yeah. it. Oh, I loved you loved it. it. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Thanks. It's and it's, and it's Bobby, good. Bobby, I got to tell you a secret. I wasn't alive. Those, this, you were, you're like my. Oh my man, don't go there. What? what? Come Stop. on, man. Because oh. I hear my entire life. Oh, my grandmother loved you guys, and you know what? I said immediately. I know I was with her. Nice. Oh, and nice. that usually shuts down that conversation. Right. I, I, I know you weren't born. I just loved hearing I that. But, but I love, I, I love your music. And I, 20 years ago, David Clayton Thomas did a. He played a show at Gulfstream. And I was working that show, Gulfstream, Gulfstream Racetrack, yeah, in Florida, in Hallidale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that yeah, when so, you were the mascot? I wasn't a mascot. No, no, no. This is for something different. But I was the audio guy, and I would, you know, do the videos for the concerts. And on weekends, they did highlight. He was yeah. the audio guy for highlight. Yeah, no, no. I was, yeah. Uh, highlight was my dad's thing. But and then dog race, and then dog racing. This guy yeah. Eagles has a history. Yeah. But that's where I honed my skills as a camera operator was at the horse racing track. And so I would film <laughs> concerts. And so we'd have the bands and uh, the uh, the show, like the You Make Me So Very Happy was at the very end. And like the guys played a show and it was awesome. And I remember like freestyling. But like, I you know, I was there, man. I was there. <laughs> no, no, but it's uh, I feel like we. Can I, I just say something? I, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is a great funny thing. This is really funny. Tell me. Tell me. So Mel Brooks does the producers on on as a as as a Broadway show, tremendously successful show. Mel Brooks, there's a guy outside with a, he's picketing. It's the first the opening night, and there's an older guy and he's picketing with a like, how dare you? Uh, um, uh, like grandise hitler and wow this is awful and you shouldn't do this the guy somehow gets backstage and i've heard this that as a true story and mel and he just runs into like the big green room or whatever it is with having a big reception and it's opening night and some guy says he starts yelling at mel how dare you do this 
How dare you? I was in World War II and I suffered. And how dare you do this? And Mel looks at him and goes, I was in World War II. I don't remember you. <laughs> I was there. I don't I was remember there. you. I don't remember you. It's classic Mel. Classic Mel. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, but we are here to talk about what happened to blood, sweat, and tears. What the hell what happened? The hell happened, hell happened what the hell happened? Did you just watch this today? Did you just watch this today? What the hell happened to blood, sweat, and tears? Well, the I, problem what the is, hell happened to blood, sweat, and tears? Well, the problem is you watched it like a homework assignment. Like, oh, shit, we got an interview today with whom? That guy off. Well, right? here, here, right, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, put a, I'll pull the curtain back here. Yeah, yeah. They sent it to us like a month and a half ago. Right. I didn't want to watch the movie. No, because you have a life. Oh, also, I didn't watch the movie and then forget about it and then sit here and be like, oh. Oh, oh that's giggles. You like that one? You should use that again. That's a really good one. And then I went to go watch it the other day and the link expired. So we had to get a new link. And then there was a whole thing of getting the new link that took a couple of days. And then here we are today. Boom. Watch the movie. You didn't see it in theaters, Dave? Uh, no, but I got, I, uh, I watched it. I did. Got the we got so, the so, so here's a quiz. Ready? Okay. Toward the opening, when the band is growing in stature, getting more and more successful, there are a bunch of reviews about the band mm -hmm. and one of the reviews and they're all very positive the quotes you know from the reviews and one of the reviews is from a reviewer from the washington post do you remember the name i remember the washington post review i don't ready are you ready yeah carl bernstein oh wow i didn't i didn't he, pick up on that he was a music reporter in fact i mean uh, a reviewer back then yeah that's wild. Oh, I really did enjoy uh, in in the movie, and I, and I, I'll try not to give any spoilers because it's it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, go watch this movie. What the hell happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears? I yeah. honestly think it's a great movie to watch because I'll get into it a little later. But it's like it it profoundly uh, channels like your the the history of the band that just <clears throat> never was known, which is amazing. Well, that's the first thing. Also, the the. For me, I, I don't have a financial stake in this film, but I was very involved in it from the beginning because, I, you know, this sounds arrogant. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> it was a really good band. It was really good. It was, it was really and, good. And the music's relevant. And we changed music. We really did things to the overall community for musicians to you know, want to play other instruments, to know that you don't have to have the same configuration in every band. And we, and, and to, you know, have really we had a couple great musicians in the band i mean really extraordinary so so i want people to kind of acknowledge and recognize and remember that it was a very important band for its time and and i'm very proud to have been part of it that's amazing and you had the best seat in the house sitting dr sitting dr no i mean staring at a at the ass of a singer is not exactly <laughs> I, I got a question. I got a question. Was there any, uh, you guys must, you guys were like followed like hawks in all these countries. Did anybody try to like slip you marijuana, like in a, in a cigarette, just to like ease the tension? Because I feel like with, uh, no, I'm going to answer, answer the question. Okay. So I was not yeah. a druggie. I was, I mean, I, I, if after a show, there, there was still a lot of inertia, a lot of, you know, uh, uh, ampage, amperage going on, I was so excited. And I knew I couldn't sleep right away and had to because we had an early call. I knew that taking a puff, a, a drag of marijuana would really help me sleep. 
So I'd find someone in the band and say, could I just have a puff or two? And I, I would be out like a light. It was great for that. So not, not a druggie, but now I'm at Woodstock. We are playing at the Carousel in Boston the night before. And a couple very big stars happened to be there to see us. One of them was Diana Ross. And the other was Liza Minnelli. And they came up to me because at the end, I, you know, I was standing there and they went, do you, do you know what's going on in New York? I said, no, what's happening? I live in New York. I said, what, what, what what's wrong? No, there's a, a concert going on. And it's like, it's kind of rioting. And I go, what, where? And they kind of describe it. I said, I think we're playing there tomorrow night. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, I don't know if you're going to be able to get in. And I said, oh, all right. No problem. Because it was or it or had already rained. It was Sunday. And that was the last night. Oh, okay. So you came in, and we Sunday. drove right in. Although two guys in the band actually wrote books saying they helicoptered in. I don't know where they got that from. Because how do you, how do you, how do you make that shit up anyway? But Might no, have been the answer. Might right, have been. right. So we drove straight in. Now everything's an hour and a half late. We're not. I don't know what's going on in the front. I'm in the back. You know, we drive in the backstage area. It's muddy. I'm standing on some planks of wood, and they're cops you know lining the area and some guy goes up to me he says hey man i'm sorry we're really late man we're backed up are you okay i said no i'm fine, I'm fine. just standing out and again staying out of the mud he hands me a joint he says here yeah. and i went no 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 it's cool and i look over at the at the cops which is very illegal at the time sure sure and they give me the palms up like what are we going to do arrest a lot all these people what are we going to do I went, so you're going to let people i say i go yeah it's fine i went jesus so the next guy that comes by James said, yeah, and I'm, I'm puffing on it like Clinton, allegedly. I'm just puffing. I'm not inhaling. I'm not taking big drags. I'm just puffing, puffing, puffing. Hey, man, you want to join? Yeah, yeah, sure. And each time I look at the cops and they're going, no problem. I go, oh, God, they're going to arrest me. I'm sure after my last talk. And they go, no, no, they were great. Everything was great. And so I'm smoking away. And it's like an hour of this. And finally, our roadie, comes running up to me. This is not on uh, to see, but I'll describe it in slow motion. You know, the end of that movie, body da da, like the like the Olympics and everything's like slow motion. He's coming towards me, really in we in a weird slow motion gait. And his eyes, if you take a doll back then, it had those little black pupils, and if you shook it, they'd go like this, right? He looked like that, hmm. and he comes up to me and goes you're on <laughs> and i realized there's something wrong with me and i look down and i count 11 roaches i had smoked 11 joints yeah although puffing although puffing sure it obviously had an effect on me because when i sat at the drum set when i finally realized how many people were there mm -hmm. and i tapped the snare drum and it goes <laughs> and then i hear and I'm looking at my stick and I tap it again. And it goes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, man, either I'm really high or I'm very good. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, that's got to be amazing. That, that is amazing. Um, yeah. do, you th do you think it was just marijuana? Because I feel like a lot well, I, of people got dosed with like acid and stuff. For, for like uh, our singer allegedly took acid. I know that our roadie took acid. We do a song. Uh, we did a song in the show called Just One Smile. 
Great job. And understand, I'm sitting way in the back, and there's a rogues gallery of drummers behind me, all want to check my shit out, right? So right. all checking me out from behind. So, uh, and, and the monitor was so loud, I had to play almost with one hand on my ear, you know? So, um, so we start the song, you know, just one smile. And I have a tambourine in my hand, sticks under my arms, and it goes, boom, ch boom, boom, ch boom, ch boom, sticks, dun, ga, ga, dun, boom. And the singer's supposed to sing right there. I don't hear a thing. I turn around, and David Clayton Thomas is standing next to me in the back. And he looks at me with those acid-ridden eyes going, Hey man, isn't this a beautiful arrangement? <laughs> I said, well, you, you gotta sing. You gotta go out there and sing it. Yeah, I know. No, you gotta sing it now. I go, okay. <laughs> so that was the that was the dynamic of, of the wow. yeah, our show, you know. That's, That's amazing. Be awesome. Did you see uh what were the highlights of bands you saw while you were there? I didn't see anyone. Did you we, see anybody? We back, no, we drove in. Everything was an hour and a half late. We're sitting backstage. We see people going in and out. I saw Crosby Stills and Nash come off the stage. I knew some of them and they're going, oh, that was the worst thing. In the and I heard a little bit of it and they're like really out of tune. It was like sad. Yeah. And they kind of looked at me going, that was a disaster. But they fixed it before the, you know, the film of the sure. television. It was, so, it was one of their first gigs. So well, I think know. it was their first besides like a bar gig or something. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah. That's wild. But I didn't see anyone from the front. So and it's, funny. Funny. And it's, it's weird because when people say, I was a Woodstock, I saw you. Now, let me ask you a question. If you go to a concert, how far back are you when you start cease to no longer really see the stage clearly? How many rows you think? I mean, if you're like five hundred thousand deep, you're definitely not. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying right now, if, if you go to a show and there's something on stage and there's no monitors, there's no, hundred, hundred, hundred fifty, yeah, hundred, like hundred fifty rows. You're saying, yeah. yeah. Okay, so if there's a half a million people. And at 150 rows, you can no longer see. And there's no sound reinforcement really going out. And there are no big monitors anywhere. And when someone said, I saw you at Woodstock, I'm thinking, probably not. No. Well, they might have seen probably it. were way in the back and like at, at that point, you know, trying to find a bathroom right. and, and hearing something vaguely going on about a mile away. You know? Is it really far away? Yeah. But I mean, they knew you played there, so they're, course, they're just giving you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. I mean, I don't. I mean, if someone says it, I don't go. You're full of shit. I mean, like, yeah. Oh, I mean, oh how nice. Right. Oh, I say no. I say good. Good. I say good. Yeah, I mean, good. What, was good. What, if, what if somebody says, "I saw, I heard you on Dave and Giggles," and then you're like, "Well, did you?" Did no, you I, no, no, no. I would say my idol. <laughs> <laughs> Giggles. Those right? guys. Yeah. yeah. That's my idol. That's my now 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 how many times now there was a guy that worked at Sony Music named his name was he was a local promotion guy in Boston and I'm sure he, he's passed by now but his name was Sal and his last name is and Jimmy so it always sounded like Sal and Jimmy Sal and Jimmy Sal and Jimmy you say Dave and Giggles Dave and Giggles Sal Manila. Who's giggles? Yeah, yeah. that's usually the next. Well, question. No, no, no. I know. I used to get blood, sweat, and tears. Which one are you, blood? And then I would laugh hysterically, like I never heard it before. 
and go, oh my God, I got to write that down. Is that you? Did you just come up with? That's unbelievable. And I'd start writing it down and then you realize, so like, uh-uh. <laughs> really throw in their faces. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so, I mean, I feel like, is like, is, like the one thing that I saw in the doc, um, like Clive Davis pretty much signed you like after a gig, right? Like, is that how much we, it went down, well, or no, that this was a little embellished? Uh, I know. I, I, I think we were just starting, just yeah. starting at the Cafe Ogogo. And again, Al Cooper was the go-getter. I mean, he was in the Brill building selling songs. He knew the business inside out. And I mean, the rest of us were you know, jazz musicians or clueless. You know, we had no idea. Yeah. And he hustled and got, you know, the record companies all, all hyped up about this new band. And uh, a guy named Eddie Matthews was actually the name of the A&R guy that went down and saw the band and really liked the band. I'm sorry. The U of then, right? The A and R guy. Uh, that's like no. Okay. That's an edit, right? It's an edit. Take, take that, that right out. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> so, so, uh, so anyway, so he he was there, and apparently he liked us a lot, and he went to Clive, and um, uh, said to you know to Clive, you, you got to see these guys. Clive can and understand Clive at that time was a lawyer that was just given this new position and he was first of all he's one of the smartest people you'll ever meet in your life that's openers right but he wasn't known for the magic year yet no no it's like none of that existed yeah. he, he just he wanted he was smart enough to get me and paul simon to come down and hear stuff he'd say hey, come in for a meeting hey i wanted to and normally artists want to hear about their own shit they don't want to hear about any other artists but he'd play us janice stuff uh dylan a uh, shakai and, and 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 we'd comment like you know lately i i i remember saying you know lay lady lays a hit for dylan you know he's oh really great so but he was smart enough to take advice from the right people yeah and that and and, and at that time a lot of the stuff i suggested would normally be a no-go but he was new enough on the gig where he when you know once someone proves themselves as having a clue he kind of he keeps going you know and 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 he um uh it was very funny i told him recently i said you know people don't realize how pressing how far advanced you were and i don't think he really took in what i was telling him because it was about a month ago i said he hired a guy named james forat James Farad was one of the guys that would hang around with Andy Warhol's crowd. Yeah. And he was a Harvard guy, very bright. And he hired him to be like an ear on the street to like see what's going on in New York. It's a, he was an influencer. Yeah, pretty much. A thousand years before that concept ever appeared. Yeah. But Clive figured that out early on. Huh. Very, very smart guy. Was there anybody that uh, you suggested to him that he like passed, but like went on to like become? Um, I didn't, I mean, I would tell him about like promotion guys in the field that I would meet, like Steve Popovich was in Cleveland. And I said, you got him, this guy, he should be in New York. He's a fantastic promotion guy. He's enthusiastic. And he listened. Okay. He listened. And, and, and I would tell him about the various people I would meet that would be good to hire. But I don't think I suggested any bands to okay. him at that time. Interesting. What's going on over there, Mike? You feeling okay? Um, I'm just trying to. See, I, I put have a dream bottle, just put the a, baby bottle down. I just have a dream of being like a front man for a band. I did get, you know, you know, it's you know, you can you can probably get a, a, a like a green screen, yeah, and and get one of those like 
backup band things and you could then get a mic and and it, you know get your iPhone out there and and look it's 80% of being on stage is attitude it's true it's like owning it it's just like i yeah. got this thing because you could be the world's greatest singer and if you come out shy like i'd like to do a yeah. song that i'm really happy with okay here we go one two and if you do that you could yeah. be the world's greatest singer and it would be like Jim Neighbors, you know, like, like this. what's going on here, man? You, know? yeah. you still get out and uh, watch bands and, and stuff? There are certain, there are people every, now I'm, I'm, my, my background is very uh, um, harmony based. If, if, if I hear interesting harmony, yeah. so there would be jazz, usually classical music when there's like really interesting stuff going on. I will then get attacked. You know, then I want to hear more of it. If it's and 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 it's unfortunate because blues is is like the same chords, sure. and people are addicted and love the blues. And I get it. I can't because I'm I I don't want to know what chords coming an hour and a half before they start the song. You know, like like you know like surprise me. Like go go into the bag of tricks. You know, figure it out. You right. figure it out. And 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 you know and that's always kind of inspiring. Uh, my my eyes are starting to wander, guys. Just for one second. Like there's a guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of. He's a drummer named Lewis Cole. Do you ever hear him? I haven't. Unbelievable. He he had a band called Noah. He has a band called Noah. K N O W E R. He's a drummer, but he does everything. And he has an odd voice, kind of very very falsetto, but his music's incredibly good. Noah. No. And he no or or just Lewis Cole. Okay, I'll check it out. And and he's very funny. He's very odd. He choreographs stuff. He's a strange-looking, tall, thin guy, and he's just a monster talent. That's and I haven't come across something like that in a long time. He's serious. I I called him about like fifty times because I got his number from people that worked with him. He never returned my call, and I said, "I now I have even more respect for him." That's he just true. never called me back. And I'm thinking, like, oh, this still, is, this still is great. no, no, no about. Less than a week ago, for the for just for giggles, for shits and giggles, sure. you could actually be uh, okay. I, I, I mean, we've thought about it. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I apologize. This is like asking you, is that, your blood? Yeah, Are you blood? Right. Right. No, no, <laughs> Columbia. Did you discover America? Holy! Anyway, so so, I I called him and he picked up, and I just said, oh man, I you know I'm I just wanted to I I don't want or need a thing. I just want you to know there's someone out there who's a legitimate fan of what you're yeah. doing. And he he was very nice, and he was kind of ah, it's really nice. He didn't know anything about me, and then when he started to find out that I was part of a lot of his influences, sure, sure. and he started going, wait a minute, you know. But he was he was lovely, and what a what a monster talent. That's He's awesome. not for everyone, I don't think, and I think he even goes out of his way not to be famous or popular because his stuff gets very angular. But it's so good. There's a song called "When You're Ugly," and there's a YouTube video of him. And his band doing this, and it's the most poppy of his songs. Mm. It's it's completely cool. I know I should be pitching the movie, but since <laughs> we'll get there, we'll get there. We're only thirty five minutes, and we'll get there. <laughs> since you asked, yeah. Uh, I have another question about drumming. Sure. And since you work in the business, how do you feel about like? I I'm I'm gonna put a number on it just to put a number on it, but like yeah. like half of music coming out today is mostly like a, a drum machine does it does it kill you inside a little bit because it does uh, well it, it's it's it, like sampling at first yeah. 
right. killed me inside because I said, just learn your instruments. How about learn? How about doing what everyone before you did? Instead of taking someone else's work and then just kind and of slowing it down and then and then talking over it. I mean, how does that make it you know valid? And then I started to learn. Like I understand and say, you know, and sometimes they used, you know, like like they'll take like every breath you take. Yep. And it was a pretty hit, and it was like the the chorus is already a hit. You know, we know that. Right. You can't. You know, like it. so so like instead of that, what you know, why don't you just leave it alone? But eventually, I started to understand that there is a skill set in sampling, and and sometimes the drum. Although I have to, and I won't mention the name, but a very famous. A producer rapper, it was man, you got to check out his beats, man. Could you, could you, could you, could you, and I go, those are shuffles. I did them when I was 16. Right. There's not a jazz drummer on this planet that can't play that in their sleep. And there's not one thing I hear that those machines are doing that I couldn't still probably play. Exactly. And I'm an old man. And right. I'm telling you, because it, it's not, but sometimes you hear something again, Lewis Cole plays all that sure. stuff i mean there's some amazing oh, wait wait no it'll sound like it's so it's mechanic plays really in the grid you know uh, you know for pro tools but it's it's very accurate but his shit's amazing yeah. and to me if you're gonna do that start there and then you know make it and right. then put it on the grid you know right it's like picasso he started out doing like real life stuff and then moved into like like crazy stuff but you know like he had a foundation in doing the real stuff that, that's it's funny i had a lunch with a friend today and 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 i mentioned something about picasso because i was talking about two peoples that i knew paul and Joni mitchell but from back then and and i had just said to them you know like you know you know if picasso like something like this if you know if picasso only knew two colors black and white he'd still be a genius for mm -hmm. sure but the fact that we're we are the beneficiaries of the fact that he, he knew every color so he could really see his vision through right. and i said and i would tell them if you learn more harmony instead of just what you learned on your guitar to this point and you started listening to bill evans and you know other people and hear what they're playing with their left hand you would never have thought of that in a hundred years but knowing that that can make the melody completely different the yeah. same melody you can have the same melody and you can change the texture the emotion and everything else with if you if you had the the vast, a wide palette of, of harmony, you can put in something that you normally wouldn't, and all of a sudden the song just takes off. Right, it takes like, on a whole new level. Paul McCartney has a wonderful story about how, how the guys in his band just knew a couple chords. And then someone who lived like an hour and a half away knew this one other chord. Yeah. And everyone's saying, oh my God, you got no, seriously. And he said, we all got in a car, and, and he showed us this other chord. And then I went home and wrote Blackbird. It's amazing. So you know, really, it was that late in his in, in his. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, Paul. I mean, John was a chordsman. Unless he was fibbing, I'm just like <laughs> understanding from some YouTube. Here, some yeah, sorry, you know. I mean, John was amazing with chords. He was a chordsmith. He he knew. No, the chordsmith was Paul. You think so? Oh yes, sir. All right, all right. I'll, 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 big I'll, big I'll, time. No, I'll no, that was it. that was Paul. Well, I mean, they were both. Come up. We're talking about the Beatles here. They were both. No, no, I know. I'm saying, but I'm saying, in, yeah. in terms of the musicality level, I think that was Paul. Interesting. Okay, I have one more thought on drums, and I want to get to the movie. I'm going to give this one to you for free, Bobby. 
I, I always dreamed of putting together an album of all songs that were hits, right? That were done with drum machines, but getting, you know, your, your guy and replacing it with. I'm your- sorry to say this because it wasn't my idea. Yeah. That's a great fucking idea. Great idea. You could have. And, and you, well, I produced a guy named Jaco Pastorius. I mean, that guy was great. The best. He was the greatest. And there since past, past his death, there was a big band album by a guy named Peter Graves. And they were, it was, it was a tribute to Jocko and they got Marcus Miller. They got really, really the best electric bass players on the planet yeah. pretty much to do different songs on that album. Yeah. And it, it was beautiful. I mean, it's not what we're talking about, but it was still a tribute to, you know, what could have been, you right. know, like, but you know, obviously he did it perfectly and they were idolized him and they did it with such love right it was it was it, it was fabulous yeah. but just imagine thinking like like something no, like it's a great idea do it song and then you would get every, every drummer no no just yeah. get a list of the great drummers that you mm-hmm. believe and then and then run it by me so i can tell you you're right or wrong and then and then well. these guys up and just say would you mind doing this yeah you could actually redo the entire track you don't have to borrow the master just do That's the whole track over as close as you can it wouldn't be hard to replicate and get these guys to play and it'll make such a difference it would make such a difference oh it, absolutely i really believe it it's a great idea oh, thank you saying you know sometimes i come up with one in a while you know once in a while all right what the hell happened to blood sweat and tears what the hell how did i mean i i know what happened i don't want to give anything away because i want people right. to go watch the movie but like how was it over there from your eyes well, can I start with the with the premise that one of the big mistakes yeah. is that people think it's a music documentary. Mm. It's not. No, it's more political. I would say. Well, oh, there you go. So it's a full length feature movie, nonfiction, and it's a political drama. It's a political thriller featuring, instead of actors, real musicians. Right. And it's a story about a band that was number one on, you know, in the world at that moment that as a result of some extenuating circumstances lost their mojo and and they were squeezed from both ends of the extreme political spectrum right and that's the real summary of the movie before you know we get into it because that's what it was that's really what happened yeah understand something i've been asked obvious the obvious stuff obvious stuff no no i mean things like when did you realize you have to you know when did you our lives keep going. And when something happens, unless it's traumatic and you have to get over it, it takes a minute, but then you move on. And those are like deaths in the family or physical injuries or, you know, that kind of stuff. Your life is always moving forward. So you don't sit and go, God, what happened back then? I I I I haven't given it a thought. I just moved on. And did other things and have been been very lucky and yeah. have had, you know, like, like you're great- telling me you've never reflected. You're, not you're- at all. Not for a second about that. What happened is I'm having dinner with a friend of mine named Rupert Perry. He was an executive at EMI for years and a lovely man. And uh, he's British. And he and I having and, and he used to play drums. And I worked with him at Capitol Records. He was, he was a super wonderful man. And he just asked me about drums. He said, why'd you stop playing? And I, eh, I just wasn't, you know, wrapped up in my drumming at all. I just liked to produce. And then, you know, what, 
what happened with the band? I said, well, and I start to, you know, that prompted me to go, you know, actually one of the, I mean, several things, attrition, number one, is going to happen to any band. How do you follow a record that was that huge? You don't, you know, rumors is rumors, you know, it just, it, you know, is what it is. But also there was one event that was, that really hurt us uh, because we, and, and I started explaining what happened. <clears throat> and I said, and actually there was a film crew that went with us in 1970 to shoot the event that I'm describing. And he's going, where's that film? I go, oh, I'm, I am not, I have no idea. He goes, we got to find it. it. This could be a great movie. And I went, I, you know, I, I, you know. So he, he knew a guy, he knows a guy named Gary Dartnell, who was head of Thorn EMI Films, calls Gary and said, Gary, can you check and see if this movie is available? has to do with blood, sweat, and tears. And they were playing in Eastern Europe. <clears throat> and it was kind of, you know, they were filming it. Can you find it? So he went through the Paramount lot and asked. And, and then the, the, the uh, uh, and Warner Brothers, you know, called everyone. And they have everything on file. There was no mention of blood, sweat, and tears. Mm. Sorry. Okay. So then um, I see a film called, called Chasing Train about John Coltrane. And being a jazz fan, I, I liked it. And, and knowing there was so little on John Coltrane in terms of videos, movies, interviews, he was a you know he was a very quiet guy. And if you see him, it's always with Miles Davis. Rarely do you see a lot of his own stuff. So anyway, and back then they didn't exactly make videos for jazz artists anyway. So um, I have lunch with the guy who who makes that movie, and it was really well done because he had nothing to go by. And at lunch, he said, you know, I was a big fan of your band. And I went, oh, that's very sweet. What the hell happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears? Hmm. Was his exact words. That's and awesome. I went, well, it's funny you ask, because I was just talking to a friend, da, 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 blah, 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 blah. And he goes, there's a film? I said, yeah, but it's not, you know, like, it's not around. He goes, no, there's a film? No, he's like flipping out. It's like his hair's on fire. And I'm going, John, it's okay. So he gets way into it. COVID hits. And he said, I gotta find this film. And this is kind of, I've I've said this before. I apologize to anyone that's heard a podcast or anything with me. But I said before, if you feel that your spouse is cheating on you or anything untoward going on in your life, don't hire a detective. Get a documentary filmmaker. They, know it all. they are so much better than any this guy found stuff. Forget the freedom of information. He's going in and finding things that are taped saying for disposal, saying, wait, <laughs> wait, I could use this. And letters, you know, like from Henry Kissinger to Nixon about blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, this stuff yeah. is amazing what he found. And in the middle of COVID, he calls up a woman named, uh, what's her name, Dee Dee something. It's actually in the credits. He says, without you, there'd be no movie. And, and um, uh, he calls her up. And she, because COVID, she's at home and she's, I guess, in charge of the MGM film vault. And she goes to her computer and she goes, I don't see anything, John, sorry. But she has a loose leaf, those old loose leaves, the record. She goes, well, you know what? Let me look through this. It's older. Right. There it is. There are two copies. Now, I don't know if they're there, John, but there are two copies here showing. And he got someone to go in the vault and one of them was pristine, never played. Wow. And that was the beginning of how this thing started to happen. Yeah. So is it was all of the footage pulled from that? 
and then all oh, everything you see was from what was edited down already they shot 65 hours right right and and the government may have confiscated it yeah that's what it sounds like. yeah that it, it was very you know again we don't have official get those you know get that stuff but we had at that time that we you know again number one band we had the extreme left and the extreme right going after us at the same time it's very i mean and and and, and it was you know, it was cancel culture before cancel culture. Yeah, that's kind of what I was picking up on, you know, especially with the Abby Hoffman stuff and like. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. It was right. really amazing. And then you had, I really, really, really loved uh, the moment where you had the Rolling Stones article read, uh, write a read. I loved, well, there were two, there were two for me outstanding things. Yeah. One was that writer from Rolling yep. Stones. And in a nutshell, at the time he was, going by what everyone was sort of suggesting that they do, which is go after us. Mm. Right. And in retrospect, now they interviewed him today and he said, I was a, I was an asshole. asshole. Yeah. There was no reason to do it. That sounds like me. Right. Like what an idiot. You know, like calling him like, like like, no, no, it was lovely. No, it was lovely. And and he he said, I just had a big ego. It was that. And the other thing was Don Cameron. They found the director of that film footage right that they have he's the one that edited edited down to like 50 something minutes it was two and a half hours it was going to be a feature movie and the government did not want that wow. they started and the reason is they were trying to get we were a gift to three countries that were behind the iron curtain they were uh, uh like like um uh i'm blanking on the name um it's kind of like crimea Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're now under the, they're occupied. Yeah. Occupied. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, <clears throat> so they're now behind an iron curtain, as they said. So now at that time, there was Poland, Romania, and Yugoslavia. I mean, there were many more, but Nixon and the State Department felt that if, should the Soviet Union be toppled, we want to be in there to have influence now. So they made a deal, and there was a reason for the deal and why we even paid attention to them, which which you'll see in the movie. And that's the real compelling part of the story. Um, So we went and it was a State Department sponsored tour. You might as well have said the Nazi party presents. Sure, sure, sure. sure. You know, tears. David Giggles. Giggles. Brought you you by the American Nazi party. Not a very good, not a good association. And at that time, you know, the, the, the whole notion of State Department sponsored completely screwed us. I mean, in the end, was that original documentary that was cut down to an hour basically like executive producer of the State Department? In a sense, yeah, they didn't want it out. Period. No. So they kept and say again. If you in the movie, there's some details. I will say something. This sounds silly. I've seen this movie twenty times. It gets better every time I see it because yeah. I find things. There's so much going on. Sure, there's so much information yeah. that the more I see it, the more I go, "Oh my God! I didn't even see it. I didn't get that before. Oh my! It's it, really, I, it's it, fascinating." You and you, you're not a guy I could tell who doesn't like, you know, like live in the past, you know, go back to the past. Never. And you watch that. Do you, do you like remember things? Do you like go, oh my God, I forgot about that? You know, when you're on the road, there are three addictions that you can choose from either drugs, alcohol, or women. I was number three. That's not a bad way to go. Well, 
Yeah. So that I was always like looking. You're also like twenty something, right? <laughs> I also, but but I was an odd duck because I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink, so I'd get up early. And if I if I'd go to a city like a new city anywhere, even in this country, I'd go out. Yeah. I would just go out. But I looked a little odd over there because I had long hair and a beard, yeah. and no one in in Romania certainly had. And I went antique shopping. That's I okay. bought stuff over there. That I shipped back to America. I swear to you, it's crazy. That's amazing. Let me ask you was the whole band kind of similar to you where there was no everyone is like there were nine of us. Yeah. And you couldn't put nine people in a room that could have been as different That's from amazing. each other as we I was were. gonna say, like, was that one of the major reasons maybe why the state government chose you? Because maybe no, I, it wasn't I I it, that was one thing that in, in you know, when we do a lot of, of the Q and A's, yeah, like John. John Scheinfeld, the director, and myself would do these like Q and A's after some screenings, and and that's kind of a, a like a common question, you know. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's amazing. You're just gonna have to watch uh, the movie, Dave, and find yeah, out. I, I did, but yes, it's true. Uh, one thing uh, we got a couple of minutes left, but uh, one thing that um, I was talking with someone who was around then, you know, like someone I know who's older, and like it was it it really like made me like go oh the 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 media the this misinformation really dictated what happened to you guys uh, well, let me give you an example i come home after the tour i'm in new york at that time i lived in new york i loved the new york post because you could read it on the subway you didn't have to open like the times 18 things sure. and i was a sports nut and would come out in the afternoon and so the post was my you know little bible and so i get a call from a woman from the new york post saying hey I want to talk to you about that Eastern European tour. And I said, oh, great. It's the post. Great. I said, let's talk about the Knicks first. You know, like, no, no, no. Seriously, I really want. I said, okay, okay. And she said, so, so what happened? I said, you know what? I, I'm going to ask you a question. In any way, shape, or form, do you have a travel budget from, you know, yeah, editor, to publisher? <laughs> I said, why don't you go? It's very cheap. Go there. Spend a week or so come back, you and I will have lunch and we could really talk about this. Yeah. She says, that's actually a great idea. Let me ask. I said, thanks. Goodbye. Next day in the paper, a complete interview with me that I never had. That's wild. Makes you really think like, where is it? Oh yeah. Do you think there was, there was anything you could, you as a band, I'm not saying you in particular, but like you as a band, do you think there's anything that you could, because I felt like, you know, you come back and you do like a, a press junket pretty much, right? Well, again, you have to see the movie and know the full story sure, to sure. understand where we're going. Yeah. But let's try and do a little backstory of it. Okay. It's because we did this Eastern Europe State Department sponsored tour, mm-hmm. not knowing what we suspected something might have, like it would have an impact, but we figured, you know, we're just, you know, we're a good band. We're going to keep playing. We're going to, you know, hopefully have hits and, you know, life goes on. But we come back and we're blindsided by a press conference as soon as we get off the plane. Yeah. I mean, we were there. We we're a little bit on the tired side and it was in LA and we land and we're going, what, what's going on? Oh, National General, the film company, is doing a press conference. I go, wow, wow. So three of us, David, Steve Katz, and myself, we sat there and they did, uh, oh, um, this is a sidebar. Sidebars are great. Ironically, one of the things that John Scheinfeld, the director, showing how big they, how, how how deep they dive 
he comes to my house. He's going through, like, I, like I'm being raided by the FBI. Going through, and I had a million slides because I love photography. I did them too. Cool. So I had all these pictures, and some of the guys, like I, you know, I inspired them to bring cameras and you know take pictures of this thing. And then he, I have a, I like a music room with all this tape. And he reaches up and he goes, what's this? And I go, he's on a ladder. I go, I have no idea. He goes, oh, can I have, can, can I listen? I said, yeah, knock yourself out. It was the audio tape of that press conference. Oh, wow. That's why there's stills yeah, of the press yeah, yeah. conference, but you hear the audio live. That's the amazing. Re- you didn't know so, you had that. You had no, that. I had so I you up on a ladder. Oh no, yeah, yeah. You're a collector. So, you you like the collect things. You, uh, oh, don't even. My wife. We should have done a show at Tell Show. That's what we should have started at. Yeah, at any time. One of my favorite things in school. Anyway, so um uh so to answer your question, we land, we're in the press conference, and the questions that the, you we knew they hated us. Yeah. Right away. The press corps, and you could feel the hate right away. I said, Why are they pissed off at us? What the fuck did we do wrong? Right. Why they're so angry with us. And we knew right then and there things are not yeah. good. Right. Do you think there was anything that you could have done differently to, to I was asked people? that also. Yeah. And so if someone said this potentially could destroy your career. Yeah. But if you understand the circumstances, why we did this Eastern European tour with the State Department, it was a quid pro quo. Right. Yeah. The other side of that deal you're going to see when you see the movie. Mm-hmm. We were we weren't well, Steve said blackmailed, but in a sense, we were because we would have not had a band to tour with with a number one album had we not done this tour. Yeah, it's a, yeah. So we were in a in a in a, in in a, in a, in a you do and you screwed up between you between a giggle and a shit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> giggle and a shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bob, I like this call hosed. Like this <laughs> yeah. thing, getting hosed. No, just getting you know, hosed. You got a good good hose job. Getting hosed, you know. <laughs> Bobby, it was a yeah. pleasure to have you on. We're we're uh, we ran our hour. I would. Uh, Anytime you want to come back, we, I feel like we can. Okay, like, I, okay, okay, so I have a deal with you. Okay. Here, here's Here, the deal. The deal maker. Uh, yeah, okay, that's me. Um, when people see the movie, eventually, when they see the movie, write down questions about it that they may have. And when they accumulate these questions, they should get in touch with you and say, could we do a Q&A with Bobby or whoever, whomever they want to do it with who's available? And then we'll do another one of these and answer all the questions by people who have seen this film. I love it. I love it. I will uh, email me at davingiggles at gmail.com with all of your questions for Bobby and we'll do another one. I love it. And, and see it. I promise you, you'll be surprised. I've never had anyone say, I don't know why I went to see it. And they really, they walk away pretty. And, and the reviews and the press on it is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I love the movie. I really did. I, uh, I learned a lot from it and it was interesting uh, going back again, talking to the person that I knew before, like before who's older and as was living it and like, got, keep that saying sense, that, Dave. Come on. got the show, sense of show him, show him the movie. Definitely. And, uh, he got the yeah. sense older that, person, like, you know, like they just, they just, you guys just fell out of cool. You know, like that That's was exactly kind of a, what happened. Right. But it wasn't we an FM. We were an FM band. I mean, I'm going to give you other versions of that. Yeah. We were, like on FM, which meant album-oriented radio, like rock radio. Right. We were all over FM. Yeah, you were huge. No, no, but pop radio didn't play us at that point. Oh. It was all FM. It was all underground. It was all, you know, they, it was this new band is really cool. Cool, cool, cool. 
we have hits. We didn't think we'd have hits. And when, and we didn't even, you know, when you're in the middle of that kind of success, it's like you're in the eye of a hurricane. It's still, it's calm. Right. You don't know what's hitting you. You don't know. And until all, of a sudden, sudden, when all of a sudden, okay, on a Wednesday night, you're on your way to California. You're going to play in, in like, like in Minnesota. I'm going on a Wednesday night in Minnesota. Are you insane? Where are we playing? Oh, it, it, it's a, it, a Coliseum. I go, are you crazy? Who, who's on the bill? Well, you and some opening act. I went, no, no. It's going to be five people. We're going to LA to play a club for a week. This is a disaster. And I'm like flipping out. I drive to the venue with everyone and the parking lot's full. I think there's a sporting event you know, around the block or something. We go in, we're backstage again. And I kind of peek through and there's, there's the opening act, a folk singer named John Denver, and he's up oh, there. <laughs> he's singing, he's playing. And then I open the curtain a little more. The place is completely full. Wow. On a Wednesday night. Wild. And that was my first inkling of uh, something's going on here. You know? Bobby had quite a life and you're still kicking. I love it. I love oh, it. Yeah. All those records behind you. Oh, yeah. That, again, that's the most pretentious shit on earth. But just it. so you understand, this, this is my office. And, and that was up there long before there was a Zoom. <laughs> I would have changed the background to some something else, but I love it. Well, thanks for coming on again. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, please come back. I could. I will anytime, forever. Thanks, buddy. We'll see you. You're, lis You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm going to use that. You Dave can. and giggles. <laughs> Dave and giggles. You're listening to Dave and giggles. Radio Free Brooklyn. What the hell happened to blood, sweat, and tears? Thanks, Bobby. I really damn if I know. Damn yeah, oh no, you're gonna have to watch the movie and find out. That's right. Take care, buddy. Bye, guys. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting you as well. I had a blast. Bye. What goes up must come down. Spinning wheel got to go round. Talking about your troubles, it's a crying sin. Ride a painted pony. The spinning wheel spin You got no money in ya You got no home Spinning wheel All alone Talking about your troubles And ya You never learn Ride a painted pony Let the spinning wheel turn Did you find the directing sign On the straight and Painted pony on the spin.